DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to talk some football with Lincoln Kennedy. Here I'm on Oakland Raider radio broadcast right here on The Zone. Yeah, why did I say Oakland? The Las Vegas Raiders. I'll never get used to this. They need to drop the city and just be the Raiders. That's the brand anyway. It's the silver and black. He's on Raider Broadcast and Pac-12 Network Analyst once the Pac-12 season gets going as well. He does it all, college and pro. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, fellas, and I agree with you. They should just call it the Raiders, but it's the Las Vegas Raiders officially to the name really catches on, but it's good to be with you guys again. How are you guys doing? It's good to have you back. We're doing all right. Yeah. We, we've been missing football, good. and you know we don't quite yeah. have the full-on football effect, but... right. Yeah, we got something, and something's better than nothing these days. We're all we're all learning to just kind of roll depending with it. Depending on what you're, you're, yeah, depending on what you're feeling of the product is that you see, right? So, <laughs> well, you know, BYU is the only team playing on the western side of the U.S. because the Mountain West and the Pac-12 yeah. both shut it down. Now they decide right. to come back. The Pac-12 doesn't want to come back until they do the full six weeks that the NCAA recommends. The Mountain West puts the pedal to the metal. Ah. Four weeks, and, and San Jose State's <laughs> driving up to Humboldt State. Uh, so they're going to, because they can't practice where they are in Santa Clara County, so they're going to be up there trying right. to get their practices in. Yeah, You played football at a high level. You played in the NFL. You starred at Washington. How many practices were you into it before you thought, I'm ready for a game? What did you well, really feel? It, you know, yeah, it's really hard to quantify, guys, with all due respect, because we never, we've never had anything like this happen. We've always been so used to a, a, a sort of regimented schedule and a pattern through your daily behavior or yearly behavior, uh, whether you were in high school, college, or what have you, um, and, and until now. And, and you never had an interruption such as this. I mean, the only thing that I can actually equate to what we've seen over the past you know, six months or a year, however you want to look at it, is is nine eleven, when when our country shut down due to you know the brink of war and stuff like that. But I remember that we we didn't play that week because um, we were all left in a sort of a quandary as what's going on. Is it is it right to play? Should we play? And so hindsight being twenty twenty, you know what happened for us is that we ended up we were supposed to play. I remember the schedule. We were supposed to play the Jets the week that the week 9-11 happened. And um, we had to postpone that game. And we postponed that game to the last game of the season. The Jets came to Oakland, and they needed to win to get in the playoffs. They beat us in Oakland, and they won the playoff bid. But they, the playoff bid that they won because we won the division, they came back to us the following week. And so we played the Jets the following week after that in the playoffs, the first round of playoffs. We beat them, but because the playoffs and everything with with um, with nine eleven happened the way, we ended up having to go to New England the following week. That was the Tuck Rule game, and the Tuck Rule happened because if if we had played the Jets when we were supposed to, we were a better team than Jets. People would thought we'd have beat them. New England would have came to us. The Tuck Rule game might not have ever happened the way it went down. Uh, and it's just things like that, that the, the patterns that, you know, you'll think back like, what if, what if, and then all of the conspiracy theorists that, that are out there, including myself, said, you know, after 9-11, for what it's worth, it's worthwhile to have the world champs be the Patriots, uh, you know, the world, the world, the world best football team be the Patriots, and to be the United States Patriots or New England Patriots, however we look at it. But, um, you know, we, we've never really dealt with anything like this. So this is still a very new thing. For a number of people, including yourselves, and, and look, I'm in the market, the same market as you guys. 
I've never had to report what we've seen so far or what we're dealing with right now. So we've seen a number of players across the country, and particularly in the Pac-12. I think that you take Oregon and Stanford. This is a couple guys, a couple offensive linemen, uh, Little at Stanford and Sewell at yeah. Oregon, who've decided they're going to opt out. You know, you could have been in that situation. It wasn't done there. But what do you right. make of these guys doing this type of thing? I really can't fault the guys that want to opt out or the guys that want to play. The thing is that we're dealing with so much unknown. I don't really know how I would react if – say, myself or my kids were in this situation. You know, what I've worried about mostly is that because we don't know the, the effects of COVID, um, what happens if you have a first-round draft choice who's uh, had COVID and then all of a sudden he goes to the league or tries to go to the league and then he has lasting ramifications from the, the disease on his body? W- what do you do then? Who's at fault? Who do you hold accountable? What do you do? That's just the stuff that we, we don't know. The fact that we're, we're dealing with such an unknown, I don't fault anybody who wants to play college football or who wants to opt out of college football. It, it is what it is, and we just have to take it in stride. I know that eventually we'll return to normalcy. I don't know when that is, but eventually we will, and hopefully we can put all this stuff behind us. Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you had to handicap the Pac-12, not knowing who's going to opt out tomorrow, but as it right. sits right now... Uh, and, and not knowing what the one crossover game will be, but I think we're all leaning towards the Pac-12 is going to have the teams in the projected in the top half of the division to play teams projected in the bottom half of the division. Uh, how do you handicap it now? I love our conference, and I, I, speak, I speak wholeheartedly about the Pac-12, but our conference does not have a, a national recognizable stage. The fact is most people on the national stage don't recognize or respect the Pac-12 conference as a whole. They don't think that it lies up to, you know, national projected standards. There's only one team that there's, there's been any talk of uh, anywhere east of the Mississippi, and that's Oregon. Um, it is what it is. And, and, and I've said this on our program because, look, I've been, with, I've been with you guys for a number of years. I've said it all along. Until the Pac-12 gets in a nationally recognized game or a playoff game and wins, no one's going to take the conference seriously. And so that's where it stands even today. You know, yes, they'll play football. Yes, they'll, they'll, it'll be in, in, um, entertaining. Um, uh, but for the most part, until one of these conferences wins a big con- – one of these teams wins a big game outside of this conference, a premier bowl game, there's not any, many people who are going to respect this conference. Yeah, that's interesting because obviously that's been out there. Uh, and Larry Scott floated the idea of expanding a postseason, the playoff this year, because of the funky nature. And, and I know a lot of that is viewed as self-preservation, and everyone has an agenda, and I understand that. But if I could step away from that, I think that might be the case, be something that would need to be done. But nevertheless, it's not going to be done. And, and I just think, for whatever reason in the Pac-12, whether it's 9-0 and or now 7-0, and to go undefeated is almost impossible. You know, you get last year with the Ducks looking like they're rolling and then the Devils get them, they make a pass, and first-round pick catches a touchdown, and they lose. Is there any way you see this this conference being able to get that undefeated team because that's what it's going to take, but yet since they've expanded, no one has run through the conference season undefeated? 
Yeah, and, and, and that to me talks about the, the integrity and the level of competition that's this within the conference itself, and that's why I appreciate it so much, especially right. the fact that you have teams throughout the conference who want to stay with and play within the conference. Um, but I, I just don't know how you surpass that. I mean, look, we, we, we've seen Oklahoma lose to Kansas State. We've seen Oklahoma, one of the Big 12 schools, lose notably to one of the other Big 12 schools on an average basis. It happens seems like every year, someone who's supposed to win who doesn't, but yet they're still held in higher regard than an unbeaten Pac-12 champion. And that's why I think it's, it's what's quantified over the years has been the fact that the Pac-12 champion has not held up in, in bowl games against another champion from another conference. Um, and so in this, in this situation, even if you have an undefeated Oregon team, they're probably going to be a finish a few votes outside the matter of, say, a Big 12 champion or a Big 10 champion because they're just – you've got the ACC and you've got the, the SEC. And however you want to break them down – you, you're pretty much self-assured before anything happened with COVID and everything else that there was going to be the AC champion, ACC champion, which is likely Clemson, or the SEC champion, which either has Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Auburn, um, whom I know, that's in the conversation, that, that but before you even think about a Pac-12 champion. I want to talk a couple minutes of pro football with you here. Hey, um, there we go. So Patrick Mahomes is awesome. <laughs> Russell, no, no I'm, seriously, I, I I could watch every every snap he plays. I want to see. He's so entertaining. He's not just entertaining. He's a winner. Those two things aren't necessarily yeah. the same thing, but in his case, they are. Um, so so he is awesome. Russell Wilson is off the charts, helped by a defense that's kind of flawed, so he's constantly, constantly got to bring it so they can outscore their opponent. Now, Roethlisberger was on the top shelf, but he was hurt. Um, right. It looks like Brady and Breeze are taking steps back. They've been on the top shelf in quarterbacks, but they don't look like they're in that discussion anymore. They're ancient. And uh, I'm curious if there's anybody else. I don't know if we have enough sample size in Buffalo. If you, right. I, I don't know. So Josh who are Allen, the yeah. elite? I mean, t- the elite of the elite. You can even separate the guys who are great. You know, you still got Aaron Rodgers slinging it. Who rank them? This is a record-breaking year. So however you want to look at it, I'll, I'll, I'll give the Super Bowl champions, the defending Super Bowl champions, their due with Patrick Mahomes because he's young and, he, and he's still there. He has to be first. Now, it's a toss-up whether you want to go Russell Wilson or Josh Allen, depending on how you want to look at it. I think they're they're kind of even in a sense. Josh Allen is playing phenomenal because, look, after three games, here's a, here's a guy who was criticized for his passing. We knew he had an arm for a long ball, but we didn't think anything about the accuracy or the short, the short ball, uh, what he's able to achieve. Right now, after three games, he's 10 touchdowns, one, t- uh, one interception. So give it, give it its standard, give it its due, give it its respect. It is what it is. So I, I think Josh Allen is right there in the mix. But then again, you forget about someone who's been sort of under the radar because we kind of wanted him to uh, wanted to see how he's going to react to what everything happened. But Aaron Rodgers is still there, guys. Aaron Rodgers is still damn good. And for all the people that thought that it was going to be Minnesota's year or Detroit's year or whatever in that division, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are still there after going to 13-3 season. So the, the, the thing is, is that – I've always felt, especially over the last decade and some change, that prof- professional football has, has turned into a 
full-time skelly drill. And what I mean by skelly drill is we talk about 707. It's a glorified passing camp. And when you have a capable passer, because of the rules that's in place that save you, illegal contact, uh, um, illegal chuck, everything else gives you an automatic first down, the rules are in your favor. And then if you have a tight end or a slot receiver, oh, the sky's the limit. You can do and achieve everything that you want to achieve. So quarterbacks these days are thriving, especially after the first, you know, first three, four games or three games of the season. I throw another one who's in the mix. You might not get the recognition, but it's the one that I, the quarterback that I'm talking about, Derek Carr. I've been critical of Derek Carr since he's come into the league. But now the, the accuracy and, the, and what he's shown, especially dealing with the injuries and everything else, the Raiders are 2-1. He's also in that, that quarterback conversation. And the list goes on and on. I mean, we can sit here all day and break down and it'll throw up, you know, whether an opinion on who's, you know, higher than the other, but they're all in the conversation because this is an offensive game. And especially with everything that the NFL is dealing with currently with dealing with the COVID and everything else, you, it, it's hard for a defense. I go back to that, uh, Baltimore Raven, Kansas City Chief game on Monday night. The fact is the Baltimore Ravens marched down the field, put a touchdown up on the Chiefs, and I, I, I swear I saw a camera act, a, a, car, a camera view of Patrick Mahomes that said, okay, you guys want to do that? All right, boom. And he went out there and he never looked back. <laughs> That's how good this kid is. And the system that they've got, it is almost – and you think about when you watch that game, if you think about what the Kansas City Chiefs did on offense, how do you stop that? They threw so many misdirection plays. They, they have so many weapons – whether it's whether it's Hilaire on the, in the backfield coming out of the backfield catching the ball, whether it's Travis Kelsey, whether it's Tyreek Hill, how do you possibly stop that? I thought for real that after the the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, the team is going to break up. They're going to lose some power. No, they gain they gain power by getting Edward Hilaire out of the draft from LSU. They gave them the back they needed to catch out of the backfield, run between the tackles, and everything else. This offense is probably one of the more unstoppable offense, and it's going to be a record-breaking year. I hate to say it because they play in the division. i got to see them twice. I just don't know how you stop these guys. So you had an opportunity to see the Patriots up close last week, right? And uh, we know that they won the ball game, and they're basically a yard away from being undefeated. Right. Uh, And my thought is – and. Uh, I, I we broadcast uh, the Raider games on our station, so I was listening okay. to you. Mm-hmm. I was out and about a little bit, so I was listening to you and and Brent Musburger call the game. You do a phenomenal job, and one of the things that really struck me is that my gosh, the Patriots—they're still competitive. They got yeah. Burkhead, they got JJ yeah. Taylor, who's like three yeah. feet tall, and they're still <laughs> finding ways to win ball games and be competitive. Are, are we going to see? Just how awesome Bill Belichick really is this year? I think so. And it comes down to just great coaching because what the Patriots do, especially in offense, is they exploit the weaknesses of the teams that they're fending, uh, they're playing against. And more importantly, on defense with Belichick, he'll take away your greatest weapon, whatever it is. We've seen it in Super Bowls, we've seen it in countless times where Belichick has come to arrive. And now look, you know, on, to be honest, I was on the fence about the Patriots as the season started because I saw a number of notable names that opted out. And I said, okay, well, they're probably trying to tank in order to get their quarterback of the future. And then when I said they got Cam Newton, I'm like, oh, okay, that's a game changer because this is a team that loved to run the football, the Patriots, loved to play defense, 
and you've got a six foot five, two hundred fifty pound quarterback who's not going to be throw happy. He's going to be run happy. And so this is going to work into the favor. So this puts them still in, in playoff caliber. So, okay, that throws out the idea that they're going to tank in order to get their quarterback to the future. With that being said, you know, they ran it for over 250 yards against the Raiders. The Raiders could not stop the run. And same thing happened for two weeks before when they played the, the Miami Dolphins. Now, as you mentioned, they were a yard away from the Seattle game or winning the Seattle game because they, they went for a goal line, uh, a goal line stand. But, you know, what, what the – Patriots have notoriously done is exploit the weaknesses of the of the team that they're playing, and then find a way to put up numbers either way. And, and even that game, you know, in the Seattle game, uh, Cam Newton threw uh, for a lot of yards. I think Edelman had over 150 yards receiving because they wanted to play eight nine in the box, and they said, "Okay, we're going to take shots downfield." So it is what it is. Um, I still think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this division, but I do believe the playoff, uh, the Patriots are going to be a playoff caliber team. And look, all you got to do is get in. Uh, for what it's, what it's worth, and I know people have said this is a little bit of a cop-out attitude, the division sucks. I mean, it's, there's no way to put it. Uh, other, all, other than the two teams that we just mentioned, the Bills and the Patriots, you saw the product with the Jets, you see what the Dolphins are. This has been something that's been going on for two, year, two, two decades. It hasn't changed. The Patriots are still in the mix. Lincoln, we're glad you're back on the air with us. We're glad football's happening. We love talking football with you, and we look forward to hearing from you again next week. Any guy, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me.